Hello, and thank you for listening to the Hope Relentless Marriage Podcast, where we talk about all things marriage. We're honored to spend some time with you and well done on investing in your relationship. It matters. Our goal is to encourage and equip you in your incredible adventure of marriage, whether you're in a low place or a high place. This is for us, those courageous enough to believe we can actually change the world, one marriage at a time, starting with our own. Please connect with us on our website, hoperelentless.com. And remember, there's always, always hope. Hello, and welcome to the Hope Relentless Marriage Podcast. I hope you're doing well today. And you have Chad and Sarah Gale here, and we are thrilled that you are tuning in. It's incredible that you are taking time out of your day to invest in your relationship. It never gets old. And so we want to commend you on that. You are doing the one of the best things you can possibly be doing for your family, for the community, and for the world. Because remember, marriages impact families families impact communities and communities impact the world. So you are truly doing your part. Yeah, it's so, it's so powerful when marriages are thriving and the impact they can have. And today we're going to talk about our past impacts our marriage. And so at mm. Hope Relentless, we like to focus a little bit more on the future uh, and trying to be full of faith and just you know, scripture talks about, um, you know, God will call things that are not as though they are. And we know that My favorite nothing, verse. Yeah. Yeah. You use that in all sorts of <laughs> random contexts, but, um, you know, we believe nothing's impossible with God at the same time, our past does help play a key part in who we are. Our past shapes, how we see the world, our past shapes, um, our experiences and our perspective. And so that's kind of what we want to dig into today is how exactly does our past impact our marriage? And maybe what are some cues to let us know in, in our marriage that maybe there's something in our past that we need to dig a little bit deeper into. And then at the same time, like I already mentioned, Hope Relentless, we're all about moving forward. You know, even in Philippians, uh, scripture talks about whatever is good, whatever is worthy, whatever is noble. These are some of the things that we're supposed to focus on. So it's a balancing act, but it's important that we explore both of these topics. Right. And if you've been married longer than just a couple weeks, you see that how you were raised, some of your past experiences, they sometimes can come into your present marriage. And it's it's something that is disappointing to be honest because we want to start these new lives and we have all this hope and excitement but we oftentimes fall back on the things that we know and so one of the things i want to bring to your attention are some areas that are worth thinking about and um, one of those areas is the family dynamic how did you grow up what was the family dynamic like because however your family dynamic was when you grew up that is something that you are familiar with. And it's something that you can easily fall into without intentionality. Another thing is your parents' marriage or whoever you saw, whoever, what relationship you saw growing up, what was it like? Was it cold? Was it loving? Because that is in your mind's eye of, of what relationship looks like. And so as you're trying to have your own relationship, these things can be in your memory. And so that's important to be aware of. 
Another thing would be the story you might have told yourself when you saw these relationships in front of you. What's the deep down story that you might have told yourself about relationships? And an example of this could be, hey, you know, you get hurt in relationships because maybe all you saw was arguing and dysfunction. And so the story, the deep down story you told yourself is relationships are dangerous. Wow. Is there anything else that you can think of, Chad? Yeah, I mean, I just think that there's even looking back at how did you behave or interact with people as a teenager? You know, mm -hmm. our teenage years are kind of as we're transitioning from kids into young adults. Were you a rule follower? Were you rebellious? Were there patterns when you look back as a teenager for how you process the world and how you saw the world? Those can kind of be cues into how your past might be shaping your relationships today. And obviously we're talking specifically around your marriage. So how mm -hmm. did your upbringing impact the way that we are showing up in our relationship today? And another area is looking at, at past romantic relationships. Are there any yeah. patterns? Are there any trends either to, to the type of person you're attracted to? Or potentially, is there a trend in terms of how those relationships ended? Some of those things can be painful moments for us, but if we'll take a step back, we can learn a lot by simply reflecting back on some of our childhood and making some connections uh, in, into our current marriage, our current relationships. Right. So awareness is huge because a lot of those areas that we mentioned, just bringing awareness to them is tremendously helpful because we can catch ourselves. And eventually, the more we catch ourselves, the more we start to transform that that action or that behavior. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But one of the things I want to mention is sometimes there are deeper rooted areas that we can't quite identify. And so we just did a list of, okay, we can look at those areas and we can see, yes, this is how it was. This is how I want it to be. But sometimes we have certain behaviors that we are living out that we just don't know how to fix or why they're there. And it's very frustrating. And so some examples of these types of behaviors could be just intense sadness, depression, perhaps. Also, addiction. Why do I keep doing what I don't want to do? And it's yeah. this frustration. And another one that I've seen is sexual relationships. Why do I keep putting myself out there in this way? And we don't know how, 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 how to fix it and why it's, why it's that way. And so if you find yourself in those scenarios and you kind of are at your wits end, that's a sign that there's something deeper going on. There's, there's a root issue here that we really need to look into and uncover. And that's when you can look to deeper, more, more focused, intense therapies. There's different therapies like EMDR, which is very popular and helps get to the underlying, um, problem of, of why we are acting out in certain ways that might even be not on our conscious level. So it helps kind of uncover that. There are also other spiritual practices that will help you to really sit with the Lord and really learn, okay, what, what would he have me focus on? What is, what has been covered that needs to be brought to the light? And so it's worth getting the help um, that you need for those deeper issues that you can't quite identify. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's so good. I think some of the different things that we've done is I know I participated in Celebrate Recovery and went through mm -hmm. this pretty extensive process. Uh, and I know for you, you went through grief recovery. That was, mm -hmm. you know, after losing some of your immediate family members and just learning the skills 
And part of it is identifying the patterns of yeah. past experiences. How are they showing up in our present? I mean, I think if, if we were all running a company and looking to hire somebody, what do we look at? We look at their experience. We look at their mm -hmm. past. We look at, is this candidate qualified? Oh, they have all this experience, this decade plus of experience. Well, the reality is we have past relational experience that is helping to shape our current relationships. And so I think one of the things for us to become aware of is patterns. You mentioned yeah. some different things, addiction, lifestyle, yeah. potentially finding ourselves in a pattern of in a moment doing something that we big picture don't want to do, right? There's that If there's a pattern of that, then that's a cue for something that might be deeper that is worth um, getting some help with and really uh, trying to grow in that particular area of our life. You know, there's a couple of different resources we really like. Last week, we talked about the things we say when we talk to ourselves. That's kind of a mm -hmm. book about self-talk and understanding mm -hmm. the subconscious mind. And a lot of those are rooted in our past or in our childhood where we just yeah. respect authority figures. And so we can take on their perspective without even realizing it. Another one is a book called Three Laws of Performance, that it helps mm -hmm. us understand the power of language and how it's connected to our our past. Yeah. And so concerning the three laws of performance, there's a story that they talk about in there. And I think it's very powerful because we're talking about our past and we're talking about growing and getting the help we need to be the people we want to be. But really, it's just recognizing that there there is residue from our past and it doesn't have to stay there. And this is yeah. this is what we're talking about. We can move forward. But it, we can't just snap our fingers and move forward. It requires some diligence and some intentionality. So with the three laws of performance, he told this story of, and, and the three laws of performance is by Steve Zafron and Dave Logan, if, if you want to look into that. But he told the story of when he was a little boy and he ended up being put in this class that was basically not for the smart kids. And his, his friends were in the smart class. And so he was a little distraught and he went to the principal and was like, hey, you know, I think I might be in the wrong class. And the principal said, no, you know, remember these tests that we took back when these are the ones that placed you in the class that you belong. So you're in the right class. And so from that moment, he didn't feel like he was smart but it was incongruent with what he wanted for life because he knew his mom wanted him to be smart and wanted him to be successful. And so in his mind, he had to make that make sense. And so rather than accept that he's not, he wasn't going to be smart, he began to study because he studied because he wasn't smart, if that makes sense. In his mind, he thought, I'm not smart, therefore I must study because I'm not naturally smart. And so as he studied, he became brilliant. You know, he got different accolades and he was able to um, go to a top college. I read this a while ago, so it's not exact, but this is the heart behind what he's saying. And so he ended up going to one of the top prestigious colleges at the time. And he still, when, when asked, he still did not believe that he was smart. In his mind, he worked hard. And so therefore he had what he had. He was able to know what he knew, but he still wasn't smart. And so it just shows the power of what we believe and how it impacts our present. Because then for this guy, 
when he'd go into different circles, he would hold back. He wouldn't be the best version of himself because he didn't know if he was smart enough to add to the room. So he would hold back and wait until he heard other people. And then he would, he would add his voice. And so you see the dysfunction that comes from these beliefs that we get early on in life that we just cling to, even though they're not necessarily true. And this kind of points to a deeper idea or understanding that we're not looking for behavior modification because this guy, he changed his behavior in the sense of he studied that's behavior, but he didn't, he didn't actually transform. He didn't change his mind about who he was. And so the behavior only got him so far, not until he could change his mind and identify that limiting belief. Did he actually become the best version of himself in that area? Yeah. Does that the, make the sense? Yeah. And, and, and the book breaks it down in more detail. I really yeah. encourage people to read it. Um, kind yeah. of a, a personal example or where we can see this play out for us is around the dinner table. So mm-hmm. I grew up in a home where mom and dad both worked. Sister and I, we went to school, we did sports, but we consistently ate dinner together. And the the pattern in my house growing up was when dinner was ready, everybody came and sat down and had dinner. And somewhere in there, I picked up that one of the ways you can show respect for whoever made dinner is when dinner's ready, you come and you sit down and you eat it. And to not come to the dinner table when it's warm and to sit together, somewhere in there to me was disrespectful. Fast forward, Sarah Gale and I get married. We're early in our marriage. I make dinner. I say, hey, babe, dinner's ready. She doesn't come to the table. She'll come to the table maybe five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. Uh, she's finishing something and she comes to the table and I am, I am so mad. I'm so frustrated. It feels disrespectful. It feels rude. It feels, you know, and she just comes all happy and chirpy into the, into the kitchen. Oh, what's for dinner? And I'm like, I, I, I told you five minutes ago, I told you 10 minutes ago, dinner was like, ready. I already ate. I already ate. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm eating without you. You don't even, you, you don't get this food. Right. And I'm all bent out of shape. Well, in Sarah Gale's childhood, her mom would make dinner. And she would just put it out late afternoon. And depending on the different schedules of her family, they would come and enjoy the meal. And so in my family, when dinner's ready to not come and sit down was seen as disrespectful. But in Sarah Gale's family, it it wasn't an issue of respect or disrespect. And so this is kind of how when we look at our past, Sarah Gale and I can understand how we were each showing up in that moment. Sarah Gale wasn't trying to be disrespectful or rude to me. And then I was able to understand, oh, this can be my preference, but I don't need to process her finishing something she's working on as a sign of disrespect. But you can see if we don't take a look back at where some of these patterns and where some of these perspectives come from, every night, every single dinner could become a point of conflict and over projected in our relationship. And so, you know, we believe that you're worth it and we believe your marriage is worth it. That is why looking at our past, looking at our present and trying to learn and understand how our past, how our childhood is impacting our marriage matters. The reality Mm -hmm. is when I become a healthier version of myself and Sarah Gale becomes a healthier version of herself, it has a positive impact on our marriage. And so we like to kind of say the both and when it comes to marriage. 
in that example of dinner at the dinner table, there are things that I can do. I can be more patient. I can maybe communicate ahead of time. Hey, I think dinner's going to be ready around 645 or whatever it is. Those are the things that I can own. And there's also things that Sarah Gale can own. She can recognize, hey, when Chad cooks dinner, it's important to him that when it's ready, I come to the dinner table. We enjoy the meal together. And so it's both and. When we both take steps towards each other, it encourages and strengthens the relationship. Right. So what we're learning, I hope, and what we're hearing is that we aren't stuck in our past. We are, we are not doomed because of our past. On the contrary, we can very much move forward. And it's really having the courage to look at the things that are showing up in your present that are not the way that you want them to be and being diligent to get the help that you need to address those, those issues because they do matter. It matters. You matter. Your past matters. And then as we're looking at that, we're continuing to grow and move towards the, the marriage that we all want. And so there is always hope for this. And that's what I hope that you can grasp is that we are all a work in progress and it's from strength to strength. We go, there's no condemnation. And uh, one of my favorite verses is there's no condemnation in Christ. Nobody's God is not pointing the finger at you saying, you know, because you you had a past like you had now you're you can't live a, a functional, healthy life. That's not what's happening here. Um, it's more of an opportunity. And one there's a there's a quote that I really like. And I'm trying to remember how it goes. Um, OK, so, yes, by Maya Angelou. And it says. I did then what I knew how to do. Now that I know better, I do better. So take that into your week and remember, there's always, always 